Our first reading is taken from Genesis, chapter 22, verses 1 to 19, and can be found on page 18 and the first section of the Bible. The command to sacrifice Isaac. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering and set out and went to the place in the distance that God had shown him. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place far away. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac and he himself carried the fire and the knife and the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and he said, Here I am, son. He said, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. And the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in a thicket by its its horns. Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, The Lord will provide, as it is set to this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will indeed bless you and I will make your offspring as numerous as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offering shall, your offspring shall possess the gate of their enemies. And by your offspring shall all the nations of the earth gain blessing for themselves, because you have obeyed my voice. 
So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. And the second reading is from James, chapter 2, verses 20 to 24. And that can be found in the New Testament section on page 227. Faith and Deeds. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is worthless? Was not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and by works faith was brought to completion. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works, and not by faith alone. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the gospel reading. The Gospel reading from John chapter 1, verses 29 to 34, can be found on page 88 in the New Testament section. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and declared, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but I came baptizing with water for this reason, that he might be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain is the one who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I myself have seen and have testified that this is the chosen one. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. As we stand, let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Today we come to our final episode in the life of Abraham that we've been journeying through, through September, and here we are on the 1st of October. And arguably this reading, Genesis 22, is the most famous episode in Abraham's life. And so let me begin this morning with a question. How do you feel about a story of a father sacrificing their son? How do you feel? 
If we're reading the story, if we're listening, as I remember my Old Testament professor saying at college, we're meant to find this story excruciating. I remember teaching A-level religion, philosophy and ethics, and this story was used often to show why we mustn't obey the commands of God. Immanuel Kant, he of the Enlightenment fame, criticised Abraham on the grounds that, quote, we ought to do a thing not because God wills it, but because it is righteous and good in itself. And Kant said this is obviously not good and right to slaughter one's own son, and so it shows it should not be obeyed. In more recent times, a popular critic of Christianity stated that this disgraceful story is an example simultaneously of child abuse, bullying in two asymmetrical power relationships, and the first recorded use of the Nuremberg defence, I was only obeying orders. How do you feel when you hear in Holy Scripture, in the house of God, a story of a father sacrificing their son? We begin this morning with the problem of the text. Verse 1, we heard it clearly. After these things, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. This is not one of those go-and-do-likewise stories in the Bible. You'll be glad to know. You'll, you'll know that yourself. Israel's ethics in the Old Testament was, in fact, very distinct and different to the surrounding nations. Deuteronomy 18 says, When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you must not learn to imitate the abhorrent practices of those nations. No one shall be found among you who makes a son or daughter pass through fire. It was done by other nations. It was not to be done by the people of God. And so Genesis 22, it jars with this writing later on in the Torah. And maybe it causes us to ask, what was happening? What was God doing? I mean, we know the end of the story. Isaac isn't sacrificed. A ram is produced. A lamb is provided. But what was the point of the test? Well, before returning to this question of the test... Do you know the old saying, when you point one finger, four points back? And so as we think about this text, it's common to think, well, in our civilized age, we wouldn't do such things as sacrifice children. But I'm sure many of us will know of people whose children were sacrificed on the altar of their careers. 80, 100-hour weeks. Perhaps some of us will know children whose lives were sacrificed on the altar of Christian ministry. It happens. And, of course, when we think, unfortunately, of child sacrifice, then we do recall that in our culture, that's called by a different name. It's sanctioned by the state, and it's been happening since 1967 by our own NHS. I'm, of course, referring to abortion. And so... As we return to the story, the test of the story, the problem of the story, we, we don't want to soften this or explain it away, but we must remember who the characters are. Do you remember who Abraham is? The father of many. The one promised that through him and through his offspring, through Isaac, the whole world will be blessed. 
the whole world will be fixed and sorted. This is no ordinary father and son. And in fact, this is the only father and son in the whole of the Old Testament that this command is given to. I read this week that this test is not filling a gap in God's understanding. It's filling a gap in Abraham's faith. Do you remember Abraham over the weeks? We've seen him lie about his family twice because he doesn't trust the promises of God. We saw a few weeks ago when Mark preached from Hagar and Ishmael that he tried to fix the promises of God that weren't coming. In terms of faith, he's probably scored an F in his GCSE thus far. And so this test is for him. It's as though God's saying, do you trust me? The New Testament commentary on this passage from Hebrews chapter 11 says, By faith, when he was tested, Abraham offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. You see, all those years later in the New Testament, the writer to the Hebrews looks back on this story and says, Abraham believed in resurrection. Isaac was the child of promise. God had said that. And so Abraham believed even if he was to slay his own son, God would raise him from the dead. And I wonder if you noticed in the story, he had three days to journey to Moriah. Have you ever thought what went through Abraham's head on those three days, step by step towards the mountain that God had said was the place where he was to slaughter his son as a burnt offering? Or maybe, as the writer to the Hebrew says, maybe Abraham was thinking of resurrection. He had experienced resurrection in his own life. Do you remember? Abraham and Sarah were what? As good as dead. And God brought life the promised child, Isaac, meaning laughter. And so maybe Abraham somehow knew, even if his son was to be slaughtered to obey the command of God, God would raise him. Because God had promised, through your offspring, through Isaac, through the child of promise, blessing will come to the world. And so there is the problem of the text. We can't explain it away. It's meant to be excruciating as we read it. But now we turn to the pattern of the text. Three times in the text, Abraham says, Here I am. In Hebrew, one beautiful word, hineni. You might recall Samuel saying that as a young boy. You, you might recall Mary saying that in the Gospels. Here I am. Abraham is offered in the New Testament, we heard it in the reading of James, as the great example of obedience. James comically says, you know, you show me faith, I'll show you deeds. And what example does he use? This very example. We're to see the pattern of the text for our lives. Costly obedience. And here again, the drama of the text. The three-day journey. Cutting the wood beforehand. Looking up and seeing the place he must go. Going alone, then with Isaac. And the narrator is a master storyteller. He told us in a flash three days. 
In the life of Abraham, he's told us sometimes in a sentence, 10 years, 15 years passed. And now, step by step, moment by moment, movement by movement is recorded. It's as though time stands still. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And he himself carried the fire and the knife. So the two of them walked on together. Isaac said to his father, Abraham, father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, the fire and the wood are here. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God himself will provide the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So the two of them walked on together. When they came to the place that God had shown them, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to kill his son. Did you notice the narrator again and again? Father, son, father, son, father, my father, father, son, my son, his only son. The hairs on the back of our neck are meant to... He's standing up. It's an example. It's the most extreme of examples of the pattern we are to follow, of obeying God. I remember one lady said that she struggled for many years to work out why we're to put God even before our family, our children, our husband, wife. And she said she was explained it to her that actually it's only through God and his love that we can love our family rightly. That we can put our family in the right place. That we can love them as they're meant to be loved. Not as though they are God and highest priority, but as gifts from God. I wonder where we need to say, here I am to God this week. Here I am. Here I am, three times Abraham says that. I was reflecting, thinking of this story of our post-communion and prayer. We pray it regularly. Through him, we say, we offer you our souls and bodies. To be what? To be a living sacrifice. Echoing those words of Romans 12, that we offer our very self on the altar. Do you remember the old hymn, All to Jesus, I surrender, all to him. I freely give. It was told often by Billy Graham. The story in his evangelistic talks, a question, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Some of you might recall that question being asked by Billy Graham at events you were at. Of course, the question highlights where the evidence is for your faith. And our evidence is to be shown and is shown in lives of obedience. Maybe we look at our bank balance and our giving and that shows it. We look at our diary and our priorities. We look at our time and what we do with it. We look at our words. We look at our actions. If you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence? Abraham, in the end, for all he was F for faith, in the end, he passed, didn't he? And he's given to us as a pattern. What would it mean for us to say, here I am to God this week? The problem of the text, the pattern of the text, finally the promise of the text. 
I said that this is the only occasion in the Old Testament of a father being commanded to offer his son. Of course, there is one other occasion in Scripture where there is a story of a father offering his son. In the baptism, the voice from heaven said, echoing the words to Abraham, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. John 1 will tell us that Jesus is the one, the eternal Son of God, who was in the bosom of the Father for all eternity. And this is the one that the Father gave. Light from light, God from God, true God from true God, given for us. Where is the Lamb? That was the question Isaac asked, isn't it? Where is the Lamb? One commentator said that is the question of the Old Testament. The first time a lamb for a sacrificial offering is mentioned in the Old Testament, that is the question of the Old Testament. Where is the lamb? Where is the provision of God? Where is the lamb? John the Baptist declares on seeing Jesus, behold, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The story in Genesis 22 promises, prophesies, predicts the greater story of a father offering up his son. Where did it take place? Moriah? Where is Moriah today? Well, we're told in 2 Chronicles chapter 3, it's where the temple was built, the place of sacrifice. That's where Jesus went up on a hill carrying his own wood, bound sacrificed for us. Jesus lays down his life willingly, cheerfully, if I can put it that way, for us and for our salvation. And in this conversation we have between father and son, I think we're meant to hear something of the echoes in eternity past of the father and the son discussing, planning, plotting the salvation of the world. The Apostle John says that Christ was slain as the Lamb who was slain when? Before the foundation of the world. And so ultimately there is no Lamb to swap with the Son. Because the Son of God is the Lamb of God. Who takes away fully and finally and forever the sins of the world. And so let me ask you, how do you see God this morning? Do you see God primarily as someone who demands things from you or who provides for you? Do you see God as someone who primarily you sacrifice and serve or primarily one who serves you and sacrifices for you? Do you remember the words of the prayer after communion? It actually begins, Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And then it says, through him, As a result of him, because of him, we offer you our souls and our bodies. The blessings of God in the story of Abraham flow because of Abraham's obedience. At the end of the chapter, he says, Now I know, God says, that I fear that Abraham fears God. And so blessings to Abraham, to his offspring, to the world flow from that obedience. And so for us, the blessings of God flow from the obedience of Christ. 
Blessings of adoption, being brought into the very bosom of the Father and loved. The blessings of forgiveness, because one has died for us. What more could God do for us than what he has done? The Apostle Paul triumphantly says, He who did not spare, did not spare, did not spare. Abraham was spared his son. The father was not spared his own son. He who did not give, did not spare his only son. Will he not also with him give us all things? And so as I finish, let me begin with the question I started with. How do you feel? How do you feel about a story of a father sacrificing their son? See the father's love for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. See Jesus' love for you. The Apostle Paul's words, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, me, and gave himself up for me. May we be able to say that this morning, that the Son of God loved me and gave himself up for me. And may we too hear the voice of the Father who says not only to his Son, but all those in Christ, this is my Son, this is my daughter, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. Let us pray. Behold how great the love of God that he, our Father, should call us his children. We thank you for this story and for the greater story of a father and son who give themselves for us and for the world. Pour into our hearts the gift of love by that Holy Spirit that we would know that we are known and loved by you. In Jesus' name we pray.